about a year ago, I did a series on the seven values of the church. And I'm doing it again. Can't have values and not know what they are, so uh, here they are. Why, why, why did I steal this from Flatirons Community Church? Because we need to have direction and vision and purpose as a church, as a group of people together. Where are we going? What are we about? Who are we? That kind of thing. And that's what these seven values address. Who are we? What do we believe? What are the big things that we value? Um, the first one, I'm just going to jump right to it. The first value, maybe you'll remember this. Biblical authority. We believe that the Bible is God's word and has the ability to show us a better way to live if we are willing to put ourselves under its authority and adjust our lives to what God reveals there is true and best. There are tons of places you can go to find truth. The Google is a great place to go to find truth, right? Wherever you want to go to find truth, you can find truth there. And this value says, this church, these people, we believe the Bible is the source of truth. We believe that it's God's word and that we find good, meaningful truth in the Bible that tells us how to live. And that if we will change ourselves to match the Bible, we'll have a better way to live. Now, I know if you, uh, Kid Zone's not going well this morning. Sorry. <laughs> Lost one. It's okay, Ava. Where are you going? Yeah. Yeah, I can't find Grandma. So, when we have questions in life, when we want to know how things should be, the place we turn is to God's Word. Now, I know if you've read and studied God's Word, you know that there are things in God's Word that you don't fully understand. And a lot of times when we come to those things that we don't fully understand, there's a couple of paths we take. One path is to try to conform it to what we think so that we can make it make sense. Not a good plan. That plan means that we take God, the creator of the universe, who is much larger than I can comprehend, and put him in my mind to something I can understand. Here's the confession. My mind is not big enough, smart enough, or deep enough to understand God fully. He is bigger than I can comprehend. There are things about God that make no sense to me. Value 1 says, when we come across those things that make no sense to us, we choose God's word to be true, even if we can't make it make sense. How did the world begin? I don't know. How's the world going to end? I don't know. The Bible says... I would lie to you if I told you I knew exactly how it all happened or how it's going to happen. It'd be a lie because I don't know. I got some pretty good ideas, I think, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me, probably has revealed to you. But there are things I don't know. But I choose to believe God's Word whenever I come to one of those things. I don't know. And by the way, I choose to believe God's Word to those things that I do know. 
I know this is how it is. If that doesn't align with God's Word, then I need to change me to align to God's Word. Value number one says we don't change God's Word to fit society or our church or what we want it to believe. God's Word is God's Word. We ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us through spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know God better than we do today. Um, we believe that if we will adjust our lives, that's the best chance we have to live what is true and best. To live a life that has meaning and purpose if we will adjust ourselves to, to match the Bible. So, as we come to God's Word and is, is our value, we don't get to pick and choose what we believe from God's Word. It's, we believe it. That's where we stand. So, you know, there's all these hot-button topics currently today in, in politics and in our, in our society. As a body of believers, we don't go to society or to our community to determine what is true and best for us. We go to God's Word to see what is true and take that to our society. See the difference? So if you want to know what, what's God's stance on marriage... We go to God's Word to see that, not to the community or our society or even the Google. You want to know what the Bible says about gender? We go to the Bible to see what it says about gender, not to our community. See what I'm saying? This is the way this works. This is where we stand. If there's something in our lives, in our communities, in our society that doesn't match God's Word, we stand with God's Word. And here's the most offensive thing I can tell you from God's Word. This is the thing that's going to get you all in trouble eventually. Jesus is Lord and Savior. Take a stand there. I used to think that probably in my grandkids' lives it would be illegal to be a Christian in America. I'm not so sure I might not live long enough to see it myself. And you know what I'm willing to do? Go to jail. I don't care. Jesus is Lord. God's word is true. Society can like it or not. They can like me or not. They can agree with me or not. It's okay. I'll be fine. But I'm not going to go to heaven someday and stand before the king of the universe and say... You know, God, it was really hard to stand by your word, and, and they were, it was going to be difficult, so I just went with them rather than going with you. I'm not going there. So I don't mean to offend anybody. I love everybody. You can disagree with me every moment of your life. It's okay. But I'm not going to change what I believe because of it. That's value one. We believe in biblical authority. Full truth of the Word of God. And with that full truth comes full grace. I, I made a mistake this past week and I got into a political debate on Facebook. <laughs> I wasn't paying close enough attention. And I slipped up and I said, you know, and now I'm in the middle of it. And this dear woman said to me that Donald Trump broke all of the Ten Commandments. And therefore, he's not qualified to be president. And you know what I said to her? I broke them all too. That's why I need a Savior. 
If you can show me somebody who hasn't broken the Ten Commandments, maybe we can elect them to be chief potentate of the religious society or something. I don't know. You see the idea that somehow I can be good on my own? God's Word says that's not going to happen, Tony. You're not going to do that. In fact, that's how we move to value number two. When I compare myself to God's Word and what it's like to be created in the image of God, I see things about me. Some real hard truths. And the truth is this. I made a mess of things. I've gone my own way. I looked to the creator of the universe and said, Nah, I got this. It'll be alright. I know a better way. So when we do this honest assessment of ourselves, we see that something's off. And, and we have God's word to show this, but we don't even need God's word to know this. All of creation knows this, which is an amazing thing to me. We know that something's out of whack. We know that we've had a creator. And we have not given to our creator what is his due. And, and that's the problem of all creation. In fact, we're going to take a stand here on value number one, which is biblical authority, and turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. The wrath of God is being revealed against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. You know those people? Those people who can look around and see this just didn't happen. This place was created. I, I see the example of things that just happen. Do you know what just happens? Death and destruction just happens. Build something in your yard. Don't take care of it and watch what happens. It'll fall apart. Right? So you have to do things to keep things up. Because the, the order of things is things decay and things die. Oh yeah, new things are born. Right? And for a very short period, something goes from a new thing to the mature version of itself. And then the end is started. Right? Something new comes to life. Here, I love corn, right? I don't know why, but I love corn. It's an amazing thing to me. I watch it through the seasons. And along about in April or, or May, I can see tracks out in the field. And then poof. There's green out there. Now the next week, it's about a foot tall. And next thing you know, in two or three weeks, it's six, seven, eight foot tall, however the corn, however tall the corn's going to be. Bam! In just a few weeks, it went from nothing in the ground to the field is full of corn. And then the end starts. 
right? As soon as it gets up there, you, it's dead. It just hasn't happened yet. Week by week through the summer, it turns a different shade of green, and then a yellow, and then a brown, and then it's gone. That's the natural order of things, right? That's what happens. When you look in creation, you'll see that. When we look at creation and see and know, this place was created. Everybody has to have some degree of faith, right? And I would challenge you to take, take a pocket watch and tear it completely apart. Put it in a box. Seal the box up. Start shaking the box. Stop when there's an assembled pocket watch in the box. Will that ever happen? This world is much more complicated than a pocket watch. Especially when you consider that in my little scenario, all the pieces of the pocket watch are all there in the box. Start this way with the empty box. Now shake it till there's a pocket watch. That's what God did. That's the world we live in. Every man, woman, boy, and girl knows that there's a creator. Yet, it's plain to them, but they didn't see, they didn't understand, and they turned to their own things. So they're without excuse. Um, they did not see it, but they have no excuse. So we go on to verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. They knew God existed. But they didn't give him the glory that he deserved. I want you to think about children. Children know God exists, don't they? Children have faith. Children believe things. They know that God is there. Then somehow this child grows up and no longer acknowledges that God is real. Don't glorify God nor give thanks to Him. And what happens? To this smart little kid who believed in God and now grows up that turns into a wise adult. They become foolish. Their eyes are darkened. And the things that are obvious, they can't even see. They claim to be wise. They're just stupid. They exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like created things. Can you believe it? They exchanged the glory of God for fake gods. Now verse 29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, 
they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. They have reaped what they sowed. That's bad English, wasn't it? People sowed? I don't know. You get the point. You English teachers can straighten me out later. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness. Evil, greed, and depravity. Envy, murder, strife. Deceit and malice, gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. No understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Now I found great comfort as I was reading through this passage, and I highlighted one word over and over and over. You know the word I highlighted over and over and over? They them. They have become filled. Isn't it so nice to be able to talk about them and the way they are filled with every kind of wickedness? Evil, greed, and depravity. Do you know anybody like them? Me too. I see them all over the place. Now some of them are in the Hitler class of evil, right? Murders, inventing ways of doing evil, God-haters. Some of them are just more of your normal class of evil, right? They're wicked, greedy. They have deceit and malice. They gossip about people. And some of them are the really nice kind of evil... That the only place they strip, slip up is that they didn't obey their parents. Well, there's a capital offense, isn't it? Not obeying your parents. And I found great comfort in being able to talk about them. And it helped me a lot to get a picture of them by looking around at all the people I know. But, of course, you, you know where this is going. I am them. And this room is full of them. Because each one of us have gone astray. Each one of us turned to our own way. And this describes us right here in Romans chapter 1. You. Now let's change that. I was filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. I was. Because I knew that God existed, but I chose to do things the way I wanted to. I elevated me above the creator of the universe. And I dare to say, you did too. In fact, based on value number one, Romans 3.23 says... All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I know English is a really tough language, but there's a few things that I understand about it. I know what the word all means. It means you. It means me. It means everyone you know. Everyone you don't know. It means everyone who's lived before you and everyone who will live after you. It means all. All. 
And so when we read through Romans chapter 1 and we get this nice description of these people who have turned away from God and done their own thing, the person that's being described is me. You. And so, uh, it's a very important for th- thing for us to realize. <clears throat> and I tied that back to my silly political argument about how Donald Trump's not a good man and, and Hillary's not a good woman. Both true. But neither is Tony. Right? Neither are you. And so when I look at someone else, they, them, and I start calling out all this unrighteousness in their lives, if I don't call out the same thing in my life, there's a word we have for that. It's called hypocrite. And everybody I know hates hypocrites. Rightfully so. Being a hypocrite is just not a good thing to be for any of us. It puts us right back in the Romans chapter 1 group of people who are insolent and arrogant and boastful and think we know better than God. So the thing I come away with when I look at Romans 1 is me too. You made a mess of your life? Me too. You chose to do what you wanted to? Me too. You find yourself in that list of terrible things. No understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Me too. Me too. We all have a problem. Every one of us. And sometimes we have problems in life where we just have to make a little change and fix something and we can restore things back to the way they should be. This problem's not that way. You can't fix this. There's there's all kinds of things that can be repaired. I have never seen a light bulb repair shop. You don't repair light bulbs, do you? You have to replace them. Our heart is that way. It can't be repaired, it has to be replaced. You have to change the insides of it to make it work. And that's... That's what God did. Romans chapter 3 verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. As we've read from God's word, we know that we were created in the image of our creator. In his image and in his likeness, he made us. We were created to be holy, right, and in a relationship with God. But we said no. No, we don't want that. I want this instead. And God, in his love, provided a way for us to become righteous righteous, and to restore relationship with him. 
God did what we were unable to do. He did the heavy lifting through his son, Jesus Christ. And that brings us to value number two, relational intimacy. No matter what you've done wrong, we believe that by grace through faith in Jesus alone, it is still possible to be reconnected back into intimate relationship with God. We're only going to talk about two values today, so you don't have to worry about the other five today. We'll get to them. Value one, biblical authority. Value two, relational intimacy. No matter what you've done, you pick the list from Romans 1. You circle the ones you've done. God doesn't care. We don't care. No matter what you've done wrong, we believe that by grace through faith in Jesus alone, it is God's grace that saves us. And we receive that grace by believing in Jesus Christ. Alone. It's not Jesus and Buddha. It's not Jesus and Muhammad. It's not Jesus and a life of good works. It's not Jesus and beating yourself every day for being the bad person you are. It's Jesus alone. We can't add. We can't take away. We believe that by grace through faith in Jesus alone, there's nothing I can do outside of believing in Jesus Christ that will change my standing with God. That will move me from death to life. Because the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. Look, I have nothing against those other religious people. They're just not the Savior of the world. And if you want to follow their teachings, more power to you. As long as you have faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. Faith in Jesus Christ is it. Now, when I say faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that's not just some kind of lip service thing. Faith in Jesus Christ is an active word. It means as I take steps in my life, I do that by following Jesus where he leads me. By faith, following Jesus. You know people can say anything, right? Anybody can say, I believe in Jesus. Saying that does not mean you believe in Jesus, right? It's not just some airwave coming out of our vocal cords that is what we mean by placing our faith in Jesus. It means, what are you going to lean into? What are you going to use to find life? What are you going to use to get up another day? Put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to put my faith in my ability or in chance. Put my faith in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus alone. And because of grace through faith in Jesus Christ, it is still possible to be reconnected back into intimate relationship with God. 
in Genesis as it describes Adam and Eve and God? They hung out in the garden. They talked to God, they walked with God, they spoke to God. They hung out, they lived together with God. Intimate relationship. Jesus described it like this. He said that Jesus and the Father were one. And his prayer was that we would be one with them. See how intimate that is? One on one on one. Me, Jesus, the Father. One. Um, You know how you take something that's pure like gold? And then you add other things to it. And it becomes less valuable until at some point, if you keep adding things to it, it's not even called gold anymore, right? There's still gold in it, but you can't even find it. This is just the opposite of taking all that stuff out of the gold till all that's left is pure. And that's what Jesus did with me. He removed all of the junk in my life. All of the things in Romans chapter 1 that we talked about... Jesus dealt with that. And he made me righteous. I didn't become righteous because I I did good things. Jesus, by his grace, made me righteous. He looked at me and said, that one's mine and he's right. He's holy. He's the son of God. And he looked at you and said the exact same thing. You didn't become righteous because you did right things. You became righteous because Jesus, in his grace, declared you so. So because you have been redeemed and restored and made righteous, now the door is open. Intimate relationship with God. And that's what God desires with us. See, what we did was, we, God, we put him up on the throne or whatever we did with him, and then we went and did our own thing. We lived independently of God. And that's not the reason and the way God created us. He designed and created us to be in intimate relationship with him. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Right? God is with us. Right now. And when we leave this place, he's with us. And wherever you go today, there he is. That's the intimate relationship he called us into. Um, We're told, of course, to pray. And in Thessalonians, we're told to pray without ceasing. That's because we have an intimate relationship with Jesus. The never-ending conversation. Jesus is talking to me, I'm talking to him. We're living together as one. Jesus, what do you think about this? Should I go here? Should I do that? Whoa, what happened here, Jesus? What's going on? That's the intimate relationship that's available by grace through faith in Jesus alone. That's what we believe here. We believe that the only hope for mankind, the only hope for them, and the only hope for me is in Jesus. There is no other name under heaven which men can be saved. There's no other way. 
See, the thing we're saying here is the world does not have to agree with us. They do not have to agree with us. Our neighbor doesn't have to agree with me. Even you don't have to agree with me. But that's what I believe. And I'm going to offer you 100% truth of what I believe is true because I love you. And I'm going to offer that truth to you with grace. Because God did to me. He pointed out to me in Romans chapter 1 what I had done to him. I went and did my own thing. And it had a negative impact on me. I became darkened and couldn't understand things. Just like you. But then by grace, through faith in Jesus alone, he restored me. Been justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. That's my story. That's our story. That's what we have to offer. That's why we're here. These are the values of the church. The values of us as people. The values of things that we'll stand on here. We don't care if it's opposed or not. We don't care if people agree or not. This is where our light shines and this is who we are. We believe in Jesus Christ. And that by grace in him we can be redeemed and restored. And have intimate relationship with God. And we believe that is the solution to the world's problems. To the evil that we see. That we experience. That we live in. And so in love. We speak 100% truth. 100% grace. There's no condemnation. We don't judge people. What do you expect them to do when their eyes are darkened, when they've broken relationship with God? How would you expect them to live? Of course they do those things. Do we like those things? No. Do they like those things? No. Do we condemn them for that? No. We offer grace and truth. So one day Jesus was uh, out and the religious leaders brought this woman to him. This woman had been caught in adultery. I don't know why they didn't drag the man along that was caught with her, but they brought her. And there they were, threw her at his feet. I can only imagine the shame, the humiliation she was under in front of this crowd of religious people. And they said, we can stone her, Jesus, because she committed adultery. And what did Jesus say? You who are without sin, throw the first stone. And they stood there and thought about it for a minute. Or maybe longer. And one by one, they dropped the rock and went home. And eventually it was just the woman and Jesus left. And Jesus said to her, where, where are those that condemn you? They're gone. I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. See, that's our message and that's the heart that we convey to people around us. To you and to me. Yep, you sinned. You did. I hate it, you hate it. Look at the mess it caused. Absolutely, it's a, it's a terrible thing. No condemnation. Come to Jesus. Stop doing that. That's our message, that's our heart. Because that's what we have received from God.
Value one, we believe in the Bible, biblical authority. Value two, we believe in intimate relationship with Jesus. Show me value one. We believe that the Bible is God's word and has the ability to show us a better way to live if we are willing to put ourselves under its authority and adjust our lives to what God reveals there is true and best. And value two, no matter what you've done wrong, we believe that by grace through faith in Jesus alone, it is still possible to be reconnected back into intimate relationship with God. This morning, if you're not in intimate relationship with God, have I got a story for you about the creator of the universe who loved you enough to come and pay the price for something you couldn't fix to restore you into relationship with him. That's the offer this morning. It's the offer this afternoon and tomorrow and the next day. If you have not received this life in Jesus, if you have not placed your faith in him, then I offer this. Come and see what it's like to walk with Jesus. Come along somebody you know here who is a follower of Jesus and let them show you what it's like to follow Jesus. Let them show you what forgiveness and grace and mercy feels like. Let them show you what it is like to have your eyes opened and your ears enabled again so that you can see and know God again. So that you can be in intimate relationship with Him. Come and see what that's like. We'll show you. We'll walk with you. We made a mess of our lives too. That's why we have so much experience at this. Because we know exactly what it's like. But we found a better way. In Jesus Christ. And in Him alone. Jesus... You are the answer. Um, I confess that I made a mess of my life. And that I turned away from you, God, and did my own thing. I thought I had a better plan and a better way. But I didn't. You did, God. And I acknowledge that you are King, Creator, Lord of all. Jesus, I place my faith in you. I give myself completely to you, Jesus. Even if I don't know what that means completely and fully, I trust you. And I want to be restored and brought back into relationship with you, God. Cleanse my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me fully alive in you, Jesus. Send somebody. Be a messenger. Spread the truth. Be a witness to the goodness that is Jesus Christ. I pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.